Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Eli Drake. That is just a fact of life. Episode 4 Wrestling Perspective. I'm Dennis Farrell alongside the new co host, almost good friend, Dr. Drake, Eli Drake. Has anybody ever called you Dr. Drake? Never, but welcome to the fleet, everybody. I kind of think that's a cool nickname. I want to start calling you Dr. Drake. No. Oh, wait, is, is Fleet not the name of the show? No. Oh, oops, son. Okay, I'll take that. I'm happy with that. I mean, I'm uh, I, I am a I am a doctor on the keys. I uh, I've made my own music. I essentially, in a certain way, am a music producer. I suppose so. Why not? Now that you know what, I wasn't going to say anything about it. But since you brought that up, can we talk about your Eli Drake Impact theme song? Well, which one? I guess the one we use at the beginning of the show that you kind of created yourself. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, that's well, that's not the impact. That's the Eli Drake theme song. I use that now at NWA. I use it everywhere. Why? Because I own it. I made it. I think that is one of the coolest sounding songs. Can we? I, I want to dissect it for a second. For a second, from the aspect of we're wrestling fans first, and then mm-hmm. you well, you were first, and then eventually became Eli Drake. Did you have any inspiration when you were creating that song? Hundred uh, percent. When I used to wrestle on Championship Wrestling Hollywood uh, and the other indies around that time, back in like 2012, 2011, 2010, um, I had found. Uh, I'm a big Howard Stern fan, um, and on one of his birthday shows a while back, uh, they had a version of Fame. David Bowie came in and did a live version of Fame. And it was really good. And I guess it was some sort of remix with Trent Reznor and they used the Dr. Dre beat underneath it. And it was a badass sound and song. Uh, and so I took that song and I, uh, I actually 
up the tempo a little bit. I, I tuned it up a couple beats per minute. Um, I added some of my verbiage at the beginning. That's not an insult. That it's just a fact of life. Um, and that was my theme song uh, for probably you know what two three years. And so when I was at Impact, they gave me the, the the first music that I had, and it was decent. But I just felt like I wanted something that was more like a tune to me. And so in the process of making that, I was like, okay, well, how can I take the sounds and the feeling of that song and plug it into something that I can make on my own? Because I tried to get some other people to make it. I tried to get a couple of guys that I know who make music to make it, but they're more guys who make like video package music. I don't think that they've ever really made music for somebody to enter a room to go fight another man. Um, which is essentially the kind of music that I'm looking for. So the drum beats that they had were kind of soft and it was, it was very like video package. Like it'd be awesome for a video package, awful for walking into a room where there's about to be some explosive shit going down. Um, so after hearing the couple examples that I got from these different guys, I literally went to, uh, what, what was it? Um, uh, guitar center or I think it was Sam Ash music here in LA. Uh, and I bought a keyboard um, and I basically, I, I'm a drummer. I used to be a drummer. I know how to, so I've got good rhythm, never been great at playing piano or anything like that. But I figured if I can do the rhythm and I can hear the sound that I like, I can make that work. I'll just figure it out as I go. And so I basically got the keyboard, hooked it up to my computer, fired up GarageBand, and, you know, used some loops and got to work. <laughs> Has any of the other wrestlers ever asked you? Because, like I said, that was phenomenal. And when we were putting it together, I'm like, I wonder if Impact will let me use that song. And you're like, no, dude, that's my song. Yeah, uh, nobody – I don't know if enough people know that I made it myself to uh, to really have asked me for a song. Um, but I have thought about that because I was like, man, it'd be actually be kind of cool if I could kind of get the feeling of somebody else, what they want, what they're looking for, and kind of put something together like that. Um, but, yeah, that's completely 100% created by me for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've got a couple other – couple others in the back pocket if i ever decide to tweak it at all interesting and speaking of all you i feel like we made headway in our friendship yesterday where we're sitting sitting around and we were actually texting each other back and forth and i was shocked that you pulled out a news article for us to talk about and here we're about to sit here in 2019 and talk about jose canseco making a pro wrestling debut in 2019, 2019, Jose, listen, I, and I think more than Jose making his debut is, I think if Jose, when he got out of league, let's say 2001, 2002, somewhere around there, I guess, I don't even quite remember anymore when he finally retired from baseball, but let's say between 2000, 2005, if he would have quit playing baseball right then and got into the pro wrestling business, I think he could have been big. Oh, 100%. Um, well, I mean, you strike while the iron's hot in a certain sense, and you look at uh, Mike Tyson, for instance. When, when he had first gone to WWF in 98, that was, what, maybe only a year or two after the Holyfield thing where he bit his ear off and he was like, you know, <laughs> the, the uh, baddest man on the planet or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I feel like even now, though, Jose Canseco could make – well, maybe not, actually, because now it's – it's a joke, right? know, he's been, Yeah, and he's been in so many weird reality shows and stuff like that, and he's older. Um, 
you know, if he came in just kind of off the tail end of his baseball career, it could have been a little more, uh, a little more realistic. But at the same time, it's still crazy to wrap my head around. Here's a guy who was essentially in a household name, super famous celebrity, and he's about to go wrestle in front of like 150 people somewhere. That just that kind of blows my mind. Do you think a guy like Jose can say, oh, look, he's not doing it on a I think he's somewhere in Oklahoma on November 3rd. Right. Do you think if Jose would have signed with let's even say I maybe an impact, maybe something a little bit smaller than impact. Would the would the boys welcome him in or would they be leery of a guy who wrote a tell all book? Um, no, I, I, I think most of the guys would probably mark out for it. Um, there might be a couple guys here or there who'd be like, oh, what's this? this is, you know, whatever. But uh, for the most part, most of the guys would probably mark out for it, be totally cool with it. Uh, then again, with half the nerds in wrestling now, they might not even know who he was. So I'm really not sure. <laughs> did, did you did you ever take a, take a look at that uh, Netflix recommendation I gave you? No, I have two. I have two things that I need to watch on Netflix now, and I just I never seem to have. Okay, so here's my general day. I, I wake up around six a.m. I start uh, doing stock trading during the day, so I'm basically looking at charts and moving money and doing stuff from about six thirties when the bell opens for me, and it's done at about one o'clock. Then at that point. I might take a nap. I might not. A lot of times at 10 o'clock in the morning, though, I'll go and I'll walk dogs at a shelter down the way in, uh, in Hollywood. So I'll do that like two days a week maybe. So with all that, and then I'm going to the gym when Michelle gets home here a little later. And then it's like basically we're just trying to get our stuff together and food prepping everything. There's never any time to just sit down and watch some TV. This uh, we, we we can barely even find time to get naked with each other. Uh, you'll find time for that. We'll talk well, about I'm, that a little bit later. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> not that you and her, but the blue shoe. We'll, we'll work that in later. Oh, oh okay. I, I didn't want details, but let, thought you had some questions. I, lots of questions. Look, I'm about to be single again. <laughs> First time in 13 years. I don't know what oh, I'm what? doing out there. I can tell you. Just go ahead and download your Tinder, download your Bumble. Apparently, Hinge is the thing. Whatever the hell that is. And you get in the game. Sweet. I'm, I'm excited now. But so I, I recommend I recommended uh, it was called the Bash Brothers. Recommended. I, I did know how to say it. I worked it in there. It sounded smart, though, didn't it? Not really. No. Oh, well, friends lie to friends. OK. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're not we're not friends. But um, it is Andy Sandberg from Saturday Night Live. Him and I guess one of his writing partners did basically a it's almost like a timeline, uh, a music rap timeline of Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and is phenomenal. It's 12 songs long. It's the greatest thing you'll ever watch. And what's this called? The Bash Brothers Experience. Bash Brothers Experience. OK, because I need to also watch Mindhunter. So I have a queue right now for Netflix. What's the other one? You said you had two. Mindhunter would be one. Yeah, and the one that you just said. Okay. Boy. Because I'm not a big Netflixer, but, I mean, I have it. I don't even know why. I don't know why I'm paying for it at this point because it's like I I barely watch the damn thing. Uh, But a couple friends had highly recommended Mindhunter. Um, and now you're giving me this. What is it? Bash Brothers Experience? Yes. Or just looks up Andy Samberg on your cube thing. It, it's phenomenal. It It's one of those things you'll watch it once and there'll be three or four songs that'll stick out to you. It is funny. 
because it's not what you ex- expect, but it's great. Well, I'll take your word for it until I can actually sit my ass down and watch it. And then will you text me and then tell me if my recommendation – because let's be honest. There's no bigger pressure on a person than, rec- than giving a recommendation of something to watch. And, and then you're held to the standard because if it falls flat, you'll never watch anything else I ever recommend to you ever again. If it's good, you may listen to me one more time. Maybe, uh, but but yeah, no, I, I probably would not text you about it. I'll save it for here. This is where this is where it goes down. All right, let's move on. Here's a question that I have gotten to ask you, and it kind of goes into production of TV. And I didn't really think about this, but AEW now is launching their show next week. Whether we watch it or not, who knows? Not called Fleet. Not called Fleet. But do you think that there's a sound studio set up somewhere where they're putting together the set, taking it apart, working on camera angles, or are they just going off of what they've done on live shows? And this is someone wanted me to ask you this because it's a it's a great question if you think about it, that this is a essentially it's a pay-per-view company turned TV company, depending on how you want to view AEW. And. In our minds, they're just going to start cold turkey production and go. Now they've got what four, or five pay per views under the under their belts, different sets. Probably going to use maybe the same crew depending on what's going on. But do you think that there's somewhere a secret studio somewhere where they're working on that kind of stuff? Not even a little bit. Um, I, I think if anything, they're probably just looking for the people who can come in and do that day one, or maybe they're satisfied with um, what they've gotten in the last few pay-per-views. But I have heard people complain about uh, missed shots, bad cuts, stuff like that. So I, I don't know who's directing. Um, and I'm sure most of the way they're probably doing a fine job, but I, I have heard of the, the woes behind the scenes as far as, you know, last year. The, it was their first show, but when they did all in, I guess the, the production was kind of a kind of a jumble. Um but I, I would assume a year later now at this point, they probably have it a little bit better together. Um, and I know that um, I know they brought in Kevin Sullivan um, on the production end, and he's always been pretty good. Now, I, I don't th- I don't think he's a directing. Uh, I don't think he'd be a directing guy, but uh, I, I don't know. It really comes down to that because you got to consider who's who's calling out the angles, who's in the truck, who's watching all the cameras, who's. I really don't know. That's but, an, but that's but an, no. I, I I don't think they're working on it mock right now. That's an interesting move because depending on whether you listen to the dirt sheets or the smart marks or whoever, one of the bigger knocks, whether it was deserved or not, I look. I love the guys over there, so I don't view it as one. Was impacts production. Now you have AEW coming out and stealing. I don't know if it's stealing, but I'm going to use that word for conversational purpose. Sullivan from Impact. If Impact's production was truly as bad as people want to make it out to be, Sullivan would not have had a chance at AEW right now in whatever role he's about to do. Absolutely. I, I no Impact's production. I think was very solid, but Impact's production was solid as far as the in-ring portions. Um, I will say that sometimes they got a little rushy doing some of the backstage stuff. So there was 
uh, lighting that wasn't there. But uh, I'll tell you, Kevin Sullivan wasn't there for that. That was usually, uh, you know, handled secondhand by somebody and kind of rushed off. And, and for whatever reason, there wasn't lighting available or something like that. And then if you look at last year's gravy train turkey trot, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, that thing was lacking such hard. We had awful lighting. There was uh, there were shadows behind me. Um, it was pretty rough, but that was something that was just thrown together. Um, like literally we all, we all got up at like 6am to start shooting that we couldn't get into, uh, the actual theater or, or, or whatever it was, the auditorium where we were doing the show. So like they didn't even have access to the stuff other than the cameras that we already had. So it was kind of just using the room lights, which was absolutely awful. So as far as the in ring product for impact, it's always been well produced, looks great. It's it's just that sometimes those backstage segments are left in the hands of, um, I, I, I don't know how to just I, I guess not the actual TV producers, um, and so those can leave a little bit to be desired. That makes sense from what I've seen because here's the thing that a essentially a skeleton crew, a very good crew, depending on you know if they were not as overworked, but. You're right. Depending on when they can get in the venue, you have a group of four or five guys running around with their heads cut off trying to shoot, you know, a lot of times a month worth of tapings in three days. So a lot of times things get rushed. Sometimes things get missed. But a lot of people, I guess, don't realize that it's not a huge crew working on that stuff. Not at all. And uh, so you, you kind of just have to always be at the ready. So, I mean, I, I, I commend those guys in a lot of ways. I think at the same time, you just got to – certain things that you got to think of that have to be online, I feel like, for that stuff, that have to be available. Um, but, again, you're talking about a couple guys handling probably like 40 different – people that have to be put in different places and do different things and and all in a very small amount of time and so like the amount of times that i was just like hey guys do we have lights for this or do we have lights for that and it's just like i I, we just got to shoot it it's like okay well here we go do you think it's a mistake for aew not to do i guess the stupid i don't know if wrestling organizations do that i mean i guess they're calling themselves i saw some tv ads the other night and they're calling themselves a wrestling league, which you know, it, it's uh, understandably. But boy, I don't really like the branding of of the word. What league are you talking there. about? They're they're calling a brand new league is now on TV. You know, and I'm paraphrasing that a, a league. Yes, they're actually using the word league. Yeah, they actually are using the word league in their uh, television promos. That's an interesting tact um, that I don't feel like fits a, a good portion of the guys there. I agree. I, the narrative that they're sending out there, I guess, feels weird. Doesn't feel like it. It's supposed to be there. You know, I, it, it's less bulky than a brand new wrestling organization. And I'm not really sure the right term you would use there when trying to brand. Maybe you just say, "Oh, AEW," you know, "New Boys on the Block" or something. Well, I mean, like if you call it league within within like the kayfabe portion of the show that could work um i don't know that's i feel like if if you're in a league and if wins and losses matter i feel like some of those people wouldn't be there And, and i don't say that to knock anybody do your wrestling do it your way everybody's got their own flavor i'm all for it uh at the same time if i look at a guy like orange cassidy 
not knocking him. It's not my flavor of wrestling, but that's fine. I'm probably not his flavor of wrestling. Um, when I see a guy calmly walking around with his hands in his pockets, I don't think that he wants to win a match. So what part of that is telling me that the wins and losses matter other than them verbally saying that the wins and losses matter because that guy doesn't seem to care if he wins or loses until he gets like later in the match. I mean, I've seen obviously as it gets deeper, then he actually starts to do stuff. But it's like if you were in a. If you're in an actual fight, I know it's not real. Oh, my gosh. But if you were in an actual fight, you're not going to stand there with your hands in your pockets for the first five minutes. Um, I I get that that gets over with the indie crowds. That's going to confuse the shit out of a regular, average, casual crowd, especially when you're being told this is a league, this is a serious league, uh, wins and losses matter. Then what's this guy doing? And, and I don't mean to single him out. It's just the only example I can think of right now. I'm sure there are other examples. But it's a great example because not only did you say is true, but think about the guy with his hands in those pockets wrestling a two, three, five-time champion who somehow can't hit him or knock him down. If I'm a one – give me even a one-time intercontinental champion and some guy approaches him in a ring with his hands in the pocket, that's a roll-up cradle for the win one, two, three, right? Right. Or I mean, or just straight up murder. I mean, like, like try doing that in the octagon, you know, and I know a lot of people, it's it's not the same. Okay, fine. It's not, but it kind of is like when you're actually like in the kayfabe sense of it, in, in the story sense of it, it's two guys fighting. So if I'm fighting you and you put your hands in your pockets, it's game over for you. I, I absolutely agree. If he was in a different role, maybe like a manager or something like that, I would go, all right, I can I can dig a shtick. But you have or maybe even if he was and I hate to use the term jobber here or enhancement talent that might get over where, you know, he's that version of the Brooklyn brawler or, or whatever. But as a guy that you're trying to sell me that he is supposed to be a viable contender for any sort of title it doesn't make sense for me. Completely agreed. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think of, uh, I think of my bread and butter guys. What would Steve Austin do? Would he, would he just stare and look at the guy? He would whip that guy's ass. Um, it's, it's, I, I don't know. To me, it, the wrestling is very, very, very simple. It's, it's two guys fighting or two ladies fighting or whatever it is. Uh, that's what it is there time for comedy hell yes there is absolutely 100 percent. but the difference is where you put the comedy how you use the comedy and and you can use the comedy in making fun of the heel you can use the comedy where the heel is doing some stuff that's kind of even goofy or maybe he can even be funny in a way but then you know gets his comeuppance or whatever but like to parody the actual match itself is really doing your product a disservice because now how are you ever supposed to take your champions seriously? I mean, I get it. Again, you can have Goofy. There have always been comedic characters. There have always been guy, uh, Santino Morella. Complete goof. Never, ever would be taken seriously in any title scenario, even though I think he was some sort of champion at some point. Uh, but at the same time, he was still trying to win his matches. He still looked like an athlete. Um... So even as silly and goofy as he was, 
you could at least kind of slide some believability in there. Um, more so, I guess, if you actually know him and what he does and, you know, he's got MMA background and whatnot, but take that out of the, that that's the real person and not the character. Does the character have an MMA background? I don't think so. I don't know. Um, but if I'm watching a guy who's like basically making fun of the entire match or taking, making light of the match, why is he in the ring? This new hipster era of wrestling, I'm not a total fan of. Because, once again, going back to Orange Cassidy, it, not knocking him. I'm kind of like you. Not really my cup of tea. I can do comedy, but that's just like hipster wrestling. Like, I'm too cool for this. Look at me in the taps and the stuff. That That's cool. If you like it, I'm not going to put over it. That is what it feels like. It feels like, okay, so, so like back when I was in middle school, I, I used to go to shows all the time. I go with my dad, I go with my uncle, a couple friends, whatever. And I remember uh, me and one of my friends went ham on the merchandise sta- table. I got a Diesel shirt. He got a Shawn Michaels. He got the Shawn Michaels gloves. He got the glasses. And, but but we got that stuff and wore it at the show. We would not wear it to school because the other kids would probably make fun of us. So like wrestling was still not cool at that time. Wrestling got cool around like 1998, 99 when like Austin the Rock got huge, and that's when people. I mean, people who never watch wrestling, all of a sudden we're talking about wrestling. But before that, it was like, okay, I'm going to keep this really quiet. Just keep it to myself. Not going to talk about it. Not going to acknowledge it. And I feel like somehow that's infiltrated wrestling where it's like the guys wanted to be in wrestling. They're in wrestling. And now it's kind of like almost like they've tried to hamper it in some way by being like, oh, no, no, I I don't like this. I'm just kind of making fun of it. Like, it's it's funny, right? Like, (laughs) like. I just I just like wrestling because it's funny. Um, you know, I would always hear that from people who were uncomfortable saying they liked wrestling. And it feels like that somehow, that attitude has somehow infiltrated wrestling now where it's like the guys feel like the way to be comfortable about it with their family or their friends or something. This is all just me hypothesizing. But it just seems like they have to make themselves comfortable by making fun of wrestling in some way. It, absolutely. When I started doing a wrestling podcast, I was kind of the same way. It's like, you know, I went from ESPN radio to doing a wrestling podcast by my own accord, you know, mind you here. It wasn't something that was forced on me, but I was still a little bit like when your buddies are like, hey, uh, so what are you doing now? Like, uh, I'm, I'm doing a re- wrestling podcast. Like, really? Y- y- and I shouldn't have been embarrassed, and I'm not embarrassed about it now because now it's like, yeah, dude, I love it. I'm. Is, but imagine, but imagine how much more comfortable you'd have been telling your your friends that or, or your colleagues that if your whole podcast was just spoofing wrestling and parodying wrestling and making and taking the uh, kind of cringeworthy elements of wrestling and blowing them up. Isn't that that what, would make you much more comfortable? Isn't that what most Here's why I think, and this was my pitch to you when I was trying to get you to do a podcast. If you really look at wrestling podcasts, and listen, if you're a podcaster and you listen to the show, A, thank you. B, I'm not knocking you with this next comment, but this is this is really the way the industry is. is Uh-oh, we're about to lose listeners here. But, but, the, but you're either... Uh, there, there are three major. I guess there are three major podcasts, right? There's a radio. There's only one real radio show. That's the Busted Open Show. Then there's the Conrad Thompson stuff, which 
like him or hate him, I'm neutral on him. I think he's a nice guy. I've, I've talked to him several times, but uh, listening to his shows are, are not for me. I don't like the peek behind the curtain much. They hear the stories and every you can take whatever person he does a show with and take them out and just listen to him. His intros are the same for every show, which bugs me. There's no concerning difference in identity between the shows. It's, you know, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. You're listening to something to rest with or, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. You're listening to 83. It's the same show and it wears on me where. You have the majority of shows are either a look back in history shows or they're two fans talking about something from a, a point of view that they really don't understand. Is this the day where we're just tearing down all of wrestling? We're just we're going to get heat with everyone. Why? Why not? Negative Nelly. That's what I'm going to name the show. But <laughs> I, I, I've I've listened to uh, I've listened to a show with uh, Tony Schiavone a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, have enjoyed that for the most part. I haven't heard any other ones though. See and listen, I love Tony. Uh, he was one of if I were had to put. A top five list of people behind the mic. He would be one of those guys where I would say, and I'm a little bit older, so it, for me it'd be like a Gordon Soli, Tony Schiavone. I don't know too much if is it phenomenal, and as much as everybody loves Jim Ross, I don't know if he'd make my list because I was a WCW guy. Ooh, I, it's okay. true. It, well. Well, Jim Ross was a WCW guy. Well, and he was good in WCW, but everybody loved him during the Attitude Era. But I didn't. Yeah, I was a WCW guy. I missed the whole Attitude Era. I had to go back and watch it later because I was. How? How did you miss that? Because I I was a WCW guy. I how, how, wait, wait a minute. How do you just go? How do you go just one one or the other? I don't even get that. I. I guess it, I was a kid. Dumb loyalty. You know, I, blind loyalty. I lived in I was, Atlanta. I was a kid. I wasn't loyal like that. I lived in Atlanta at the time, and it was, for me, it was WCW or bust. Wow, you were you were one of those. I can remember in middle school, uh, uh, I had a Super Nintendo. My friend had a Sega Genesis. He was like, oh, Sega's so much better. And I'm like, uh, maybe. I don't know. I'll check it out. And then I ended up having both of them. I'm like, all right, uh, they're both good. I don't understand the idea of one of the, to me, it was just, Oh, this is wrestling. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. The one time I did though, I stopped watching WCW was probably around like 1999. It got awful. And WWF was so damn good at that point uh, where I, I, the, the, the channel flipping stopped. It was done. So uh, up from like 95 when nitro started and WWF was kind of like, ah. Eh. And then 96 when Nitro got really good, but it was like WWF was still WWF because it was still like it was still the big boy. Um, not not to take WCW's thunder on that and the big boys play. Um, but uh, then like 97, WWF started heating up. NWO, WCW was going crazy over there. It was just like constant back and forth. Uh, I can't believe you missed the attitude there. I'm so disappointed. I did because here's how I watched. It was I it was a WWF Golden Era guy, and I also loved WCW at the time. And I stuck with WCW and slowly started drifting away from the WWF during the like 
the dumpster drowsy years and the yeah, the, I get that. And and I started to drift away and just kind of stuck with WCW. And it, look, I lived in Atlanta. I didn't even know what ECW was. You know, I wasn't me neither. I, me neither. Everybody talks about how it was phenomenal, but it was just never on my radar. I didn't know. I don't even know if I had any channels that actually aired it. The only exposure I had to ECW was when they started showing up on Raw for a little bit, in and out, and then uh, what? That was probably like ninety five, ninety six, something like that. Uh, and then I think for a stint, it was on like TNN. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So I, I, th- I think we got that for a little bit, but that was toward the end of the run. That was like 99, 2000 or something like that. But I, I had no idea of ECW didn't really care. Even, even when I did find out, I don't know. It's just, it didn't really appeal to me. Um, but, but, but WWF, when you get to that and you hear, man, nobody calls a match with more passion uh, than Jim Ross. And then just throw in, you know, a little bit of color with, with Lawler, but it was just like, Man, some of those calls, whether it was Austin or Rock or whoever, it was just so damn good. Going back, I can appreciate it now, I, I, and I truly can. But you know, I was a Heenan guy. I I I would put Ventura over him, although they did different things. I, I granted, I I know that, but. For you know, for me, the voice of my era was like Tony Schiavone. It was Gordon Soley. It, it was uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. You, All right, get, give me give me your top five two man teams. Top, oh boy, I you would, can start from. I feel like it'd be easier to start from from number one. So number one would probably for me be Gorilla and Bobby Heenan. I'll take that. Number two. I would probably go, you know what, it, it'll be a controversial number two, but give me Vince McMahon and, and Ventura. Okay, I thought you were going to leave out Vince, actually, because Vince is really, really good. Vince is phenomenal. Let's, yes. I, I can't leave Vince out because, for me, during, no, during that golden age of wrestling, it, his intros for the pay-per-views we're phenomenal. It's WrestleMania. Oh yeah, my, and my, my brother's favorite uh, little soundbite was always, "Oh my!" all the time, and all day long. My brother would be "Oh myeing" all over the damn house. <laughs> That's awesome, and, and that and that's hard too because you know Vince had a couple good Vince and Randy Savage. That was a pretty good two man team right there for a while. Um. 
Then I would probably go Shivani and Heenan. I can. This, we, this is number three. Yeah. I, I would go because I there's something about Tony Shivani and his coolness, not the care at times on uh, on the broadcast was phenomenal. Yeah, I did like those two together. Um, God, but Mike Tanay too. I, leaving Mike Tanay off would be criminal. God. He never did it for me. Um, no, no, I, I never really, never really got into his calls. Who, who are your two top two man teams? Easy, easy, easy. Jr. and, and Lawler for sure. Number one, just okay. because again, like I said, nobody calls it with more passion. Like there are literally calls that he's made that have given me chills and still do. If you watch the end of No Way Out 1998, just as uh, uh, there was a big, I think, eight-man team or something, and Austin had just won the match, China comes in at the end, and she's really trying to provoke him, and he's just he's trying to walk away. She's trying to provoke him. He's trying to walk away, and finally, like, he's just about to get out of the ring, and she taps him on the back and gives him big old double bird. She turns around to the ref because he's, you know, giving her shit. And you see Austin just look like, no, she did not. Walks in, gives her the stunner. The place goes bananas. And Jim Ross is like, that might be Mike Tyson at WrestleMania. That might be Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. But you can bet at WrestleMania someone will get their ass whipped. And it's so good. There's so much passion and feeling behind that call. You're like, holy shit, I can't wait for WrestleMania. All right, you know what? Nobody. I don't feel like anybody could elicit that kind of response. Um, That's for me. Um, Wait, wait. I got to stop you there because on the other side of the coin, as much as I will agree with you that Jim Ross deserves to be on my five, there's just something too cartoony that killed it every time. For Jerry Lawler during the attitude errors where he's like puppies, he he, he, he came off as a weird, creepy guy to me. And as, and as much <laughs> yeah. as I sat there and could be emotionally invested in the story that that, you know, Jim was telling, then you'd have Jerry Lawler chime in like a 12 year old boy. And it's like, wait, wait, what? What just happened? What, who, come on. Well, I will say to, to their credit, though, I think that that also depends on where they were at the show. Um, because then there were lighter portions of the show where he could do that. But if you were in a championship match, even Lawler would be on point. Like, I mean, he might, he kind of walked the line for a while of like whether he was heel or whether he wasn't, but he still like, he, he played a good contrast to JR's part. You know, and I think for me, since we're talking about guys from the past, the only thing holding and look, Morella probably is the best guy right now on the mic in all of wrestling. Guy is phenomenal, but I I want to like Corey Graves so much, I really do. And every now he's got to let loose. He does. And and the problem I think with Corey Graves is he can't make up his mind if he's a heel announcer or a face announcer, and he goes in and out and. And it, there's no rhyme or reason to who he likes and why he likes it. And it takes away a little bit sometimes. Well, the only problem with that is I don't know if we can put that squarely on him. That might be coming from above. I, I understand, but it's his voice, so I'm going to hold him responsible for it. <laughs> yeah, kill the messenger. Uh, no, I, I, look, when you watch any anything from the last probably 10 years, the commentary is – not good. Uh, everybody sounds about the same. 
there doesn't seem to be any real like passion or feeling uh, being evoked from from the people talking, telling the story. Um, it, it's almost kind of monotone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now that you say that, I kind of go back and I listen, and it it sounds a way too scripted a lot of times on the mic and you can almost hear at times when someone's chiming in to tell them to say something and here's a good question because I think I got one more thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap this up and I asked Petey this once and I think he ho-hummed his way through his answer is Michael Cole a WWE Hall of Famer? Ah man good question huh? I think he's going to have to be, um, just because. Actually, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's going to have to be, um, just because. His tender. Well, wait, tender. Ten tender. Not tender. You mean ten, tenure, tenure? Tenure. There we go. Tinder. See, look, you're, you haven't even. You, are, you said you're not even newly single yet. You already got that on your mind. I, I haven't. You're ready to get out there, aren't you? I'm ready. Oh, you're you're ready to get that blue chew rolling. Oh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I, I think he has to. He's been there for so long. He was there during the Attitude Era, uh, so there's a little bit of tenure to play in there. But also, he's done some of the in-ring stuff. He's made an ass of himself, and he's kind of helped along the new generation of commentators because he's pretty much the head guy and quote unquote the voice of WWE right now. But. I, I, I've always liked Michael. He's always actually been very complimentary of, of me and my work. I just, I, I feel like, I feel like he was much better in the late nineties in the attitude era than he has been in the past 10 years. Cause I feel like, but, but I, again, that might be coming from above because it seems like everybody's sounding just like a straight laced stiff announcer, as opposed to showing any level of personality or just letting themselves free to, just go for it and let it all out there as a performer do you ever try to seek out anybody doing color or or part of the booth and say hey during my match i i would like it if you do x y and z or do you let them punch you out how does that work for you no you you definitely want to do that like because sometimes there's things that you want to get over that nobody else knows that you want to get over so how do you get that over without letting them know And that's a huge thing that uh, I remember uh, William Regal kind of going around everybody at NXT and making sure that, you know, like uh, telling all the guys that, you know, the the, the commentators are telling your story. So if you don't give us anything, we're either just going to make stuff up on the fly or we're not going to talk about you. So if there is a backstory or there's a nickname or there's a name of for moves or something like that, you've got to let us know. So I do try to get around and, and make sure that, uh, you know, the commentators might have certain things are like when I won the title at impact, uh, Josh and I were talking about like a good go home soundbite. Like what, what, what can we, what could we use? What's a nickname, you know, whatever. And that's when we, you know, with the, the defiant one thing. Uh, and it was basically like, uh, Shit, I don't, I don't even remember what he said now, but it was kind of like the one sound clip that they would always use in the clips. It was something like, the Defiant One has won the Impact title, whatever. Um, the Defiant but, One? But yeah. What's that? The, the the Defiant One? The Defiant One, yeah. Uh, that's Eli Drake, baby. What, what are you like? Some dark 
character that comes out of the smoke and oh, the defiant one is here. What are you, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the defiant one. I'm always defying everything, whether it's rules or the odds. If you look at that, that very way that I won the title, I was the first guy in a 20 man battle Royal all the way coast to coast, win the title. That makes me defying the odds. But beyond that, the defiant one is basically the fact that uh, what I've gotten fired from every damn job I've ever had. Supposedly I've got a bad attitude, yada, yada, yada. So apparently I defy the rules. That makes me the defiant one. Ooh, little, Come on, what are we talking about? A little feisty here. All right, let's send this home with a conversation I really want to have with you. I was, All right. I was reminded uh, the other day of a, a interview I did long ago with Lex, Luke, Lex Luger. And in this conversation, we were talking about using his real name versus the, the, whether you call it a stage name or your wrestling name or whatever. You and, mean his real name is not Lex Luger? No, it's not. I don't even remember what it is anymore. And he, he told many stories about how no one ever called him by his real name. So anytime he would walk in the airport and someone he knew outside of wrestling would call him because he used to, you know, he he played football for the longest time. I think he was a Green Bay Pack. He he no, he's in the Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame for what he did in wrestling. How about what? yeah? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, he he talked about that, but he was he said many times, you know, like look, you know, if people didn't know who I was and called me by my real name, I wouldn't answer to him because I forgot who I was. I that part of me kind of died. The bigger star I I became. Well, that's a little nutty. Isn't it? So, and, and I could never really have this conversation with Petey because, spoiler alert, that's his real name. So he has to answer that. But for, and I don't know if this is a peek behind the curtain or not, but, you know, Eli Drake's not your real name. What? <laughs> spoiler alert again. Do you. Do you find it hard? Let's say you're. Do you. Because you, you have your non wrestling friends, right? Well, yeah, that's 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 the majority, my friends. And if you're out with someone, maybe you're like, oh, I met Willie at a party. Willie and Willie and I is going or we're going to go get a beer and you're getting a beer. And someone's like, oh, my God, it's Eli Drake. And he's like, I thought your name was X, Y and Z. What? Why is this guy? Does that ever happen to you? Uh, well, yeah, well, well, I mean, if uh, my friends would obviously know that. But you know what? I'm going to share a secret with everybody right now. Uh, Dennis, actually. That's not his real name either. No, um, so uh, it, it's really confusing when we go out. Uh, his, his real name's Hugh. Will it be? And uh, so it's it's really tough. Uh, and I should remind people, like, you know, his real name is Hugh Jessol. And it's, uh, it's, it's a family name passed down for many generations. Uh, but Dennis, you know, he thought that that sounded like a nice announcer name. I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't listen to me. But no, most of my friends, if I was like out with to dinner with them or something like that, they uh, they obviously know my deal and what I do for work and whatnot. So they'd be aware of that the, the times when that's happened and it's been really cool is if I was on like a first date. And uh, now it's like, okay, you guys are putting me over huge here because I'm, you know, you're out with a girl for the first time, and then uh, somebody will come up and be like, oh my god, Eli Drake, can I take a picture? And they'll be, you know, the girl sudden, you know, she'll perk up and be like, what was that about? And I'll be like, well. And then uh, that's when I start to get into to what I actually do for work. Do you say that? Like, because 
for me, it, it, trust me, it's been a long, long time since I've been on a first date. I don't know if I would come out and be like, you know, I used to be on ESPN or I have a hit podcast. I think I would save that. And listen, every once in a while, someone will be like, hey, man, I like your podcast in public. I'd be like, holy cow, someone listened. Or, hey, man, I remember you when you were on ESPN, man. You used to love listening to you. So that's always kind of an ego boost for me. Not that it'll happen ever when I'm on a first date because I don't have that kind of cool luck. But is it something you keep in your back pocket? Like, I know someone's going to recognize me and this girl's going to think I'm really cool. No, because it doesn't happen all that often, especially being out here on the West Coast. I don't I don't feel like there's a giant uh, wrestling fan base out here. I mean, I, the, there's a sizable enough one, I guess, but I, especially in LA, people are kind of too cool for school. So for the most part, they kind of, even if they recognize you, they, they probably won't bother you for the most part. I mean, sometimes people will come up every now and then and be like, Oh my gosh. Hey, what, I didn't know you work out here. Um, but, uh, I, I, I don't really like, I don't really tell people what I do until it comes up somehow naturally. Um, cause otherwise it's like, once I tell them then all the, all the questions come up. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I'd rather just delay that as long as I can <laughs> or just not, not cross that bridge at all. If I don't have to, um, so, so hang on, hang on. That's interesting because now you've got a girlfriend. You talked about her. We're going to talk about you and her having sex later. But, oh, boy. <laughs> but how does that conversation go? Because in my mind, it, it, you, that would be something you, you knock out right away. You meet her. You go out. Did you know? Did she know you from wrestling? Did What no. was her reaction when you were like, so listen, you know, because I'm guessing that, you know, if you meet a girl – in you're hitting it off you're telling her you do daytime trading that would probably be your go-to gig right no actually i tell everybody i work for a video game company which is true really i what why well, I, I do the motion capture for wwe games what yeah no way I, 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 i've been doing that since 2015 do, do they give you the free video game yeah every year holy, holy cow <laughs> yeah so if, if you play if you play through the game or you go and look at the credits you'll you'll see me listed in there as one of the motion capture artists how how, how did i not know this i i don't know it never came up see i, I don't talk about it until it comes up you know what you know all right so uh someone will go so what do you do for your living i uh i do video games they'll go oh you're a programmer you go no i do motion caption right that's kind of how it goes yeah, I'll just be like, yeah, oh, yeah, do motion capture. They'll be like, oh, like with the with the sensors. I'm like, yeah, I'll put on like the suit with the sensors that capture my motions and put it in the game. Oh my goodness, that's so cool! And that's pretty much the end of that conversation. They don't go ask you what games have you been in because that would have been my uh, next. Usually, question. the people who ask that see. Okay, so so that's also that's the answer. Also, that'll give to strangers. So like, if if a guy asks that or whatever, I just I don't want to get into the whole thing about wrestling, and then it's just it just elicits so many questions. Um, so I, the video game thing is kind of easy to get away with, with very little questions. So if I'm talking to like some random dude in public or something, he asked me what I do for work. Those are the, usually the guys who ask me what games, because they're usually more familiar. Okay. Wow. Most of the, most of the girls would just be like, Oh my gosh, it's so cool. And then move on to the next topic. So 
you, you, your girlfriend, how, how does it go then? What was her reaction when you finally go, I'm a pro wrestler? Uh, well, I'm see, sorry, I, I, like I can't you. use her as an example because we're, we're kind of a, a, a special different uh, thing. I kind of knew, like we were originally, uh, <laughs> okay. So I, I went to high school with her cousin, okay. um, but she lived like an hour away in Virginia. I was in Maryland. Uh, and we had like a three week kind of phone thing when we were like 15 and 13, uh, but we never met. So like she's known of me and kind of knew what I did through social media for a while before we actually like, I didn't actually like meet her and hang out with her until 2017 though. So like technically I've known her for 20 years, but not really. Uh, but she kind of already knew, but now if I was on a, on a date scenario, which has happened, well, well, obviously dates have happened many times, but what I mean is as far as this topic coming up, um, uh, usually sometimes, okay. So if I was like Tinder bumble, something like that, uh, it might come up at some point if somebody was like, you know, what do you do for work? Usually, usually at that point I'd still go with the video game thing. Mm-hmm. Um, unless uh, that my Instagram would be tied into my account sometimes as well. So in that case, they could probably go and find out for themselves and then they'd start asking questions and then we get into it. But for the most part, it was just kind of like, uh, if I'm out with somebody, I, I'm not trying to talk about work. Um, uh, you know, I'm trying to see where this night can go. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and my work isn't a part of that. I am. I'm, I'm still blown away. Do you have a closet then full of old WWE video games? No. Well, okay. So, uh, so I've been doing it since 2015. So I have, what do I have? I have, uh, uh, 2K16, 17, 18, and, uh, well, I got to have 19. I don't know. I guess everything since then. So, yeah, I'll, I'll get the new one coming out here, uh, in the next couple months. Do you play it? Occasionally, for the most part, my favorite things just looking at the entrances because I do. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> so uh, w- my very first shoot that I did back in October 2015. Um, they asked me if I could do our truth entrance, and they kind of gave me the verbiage for it, which I, I didn't have to do the verbiage. Obviously, they were going to splice that in, but I needed to know what he was going to rap and what he was going to do so that I could make the movements work. And I was able to do it and put it together and make it look really damn good. If you go in there and look at the R-Truth entrance from, I think, 2K17 and beyond, that's me doing it. And it's damn good. And since then, they're like, okay, you're pretty much like our entrance guy, at least for like – they'll use me for guys who are like bigger than 200 pounds or whatever. So – you know, I, I redid the Rock's entrance. I, I I think I redid Austin's entrance for this year's game or next year's game or whenever it's gonna whenever they're gonna have that. Um, Randy Orton, Triple H, a uh, bunch of people. I did so many of the entrances on there now. So for the most part, I'll watch that. I, I've done a a bunch of moves, but I can't remember those as well as I can remember doing all these entrances because some of that stuff really tickles me because I'm like, this is awesome because I get to do you know the, the entrances of guys that I've watched for so damn long. Wow, this is what? Okay, last question. We'll we'll end it. We'll send everybody home because there's. So well, we many, never we never even got on the name thing. We, okay, Jesus, I I know, right? You you threw a curveball at me. I know. I have a habit of that. I can never stick with the topic, dude. This is phenomenal. <laughs> y- y- yeah, listen, we'll continue the name thing next week. Uh, we'll get keep give the fans what they want, but. What it was the most difficult entrance for you to do, and what was the one you were most proud of nailing? And I guess the R Truth might be that answer. 
That might, man, that might be both of those answers because that was really, okay. So when they shoot the entrance, they shoot the entrances in three parts. The first part is you coming, you know, out and onto the stage and just like the first little bit of walking down the ramp. Second part is a big long ramp walk so that they can get plenty of, uh, plenty of walking to splice in, whether they're using like a WrestleMania entrance or a Monday night raw entrance or whatever. And then the third part is just the last little bit of the ramp and then getting into the ring. So I had to sync up, you know, his rap and the moves uh, in those three parts and figure out how that was going to work and how we were going to, you know, where did I need to be? uh, Where did I need to be in the song at the end of part A to then start part B and then be out of that in time to have time to get in the ring and do part C. So, you know, a lot of the other things that don't, I don't have to rely on a song or rely on rhythm or anything like that. It's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to go and do this guy's stuff and, you know, take on the mannerisms and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's just picking up those little, little nuanced mannerisms that the guys will have the way they walk or the, you know, this guy grabs the top of the post as opposed to the side of the post. Or, uh, you know, does he, does he kick his leg forward to go through the ropes or does he kick his leg back to go through the ropes and just picking up little details like that to make sure that I'm, uh, I guess honoring that guy's movement and what he actually does. But I definitely the hardest and probably the proudest is the hard truth one. Oh. Although my favorite to do, and I could probably say this now since it's been revealed is doing the, uh, the Hulk Hogan entrance recently. That was the best doing the, uh, the old school eighties Hogan entrance. Did you, did you rip a shirt? I didn't. Well, I can't cause, uh, I'm wearing the, the suit, but they did give me something. To re- it was, I think they had like towels with sensors on it. So what ended up happening was, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'd walk up onto the, uh, onto the ropes or onto the apron and I'd like point in the ring at, you know, presumably somebody who's in the ring like Hogan would do. And they would have somebody who didn't have sensors on. So he could just be standing there and not be picked up. And as I, uh, stepped in the ring, he would just drop, this towel over my neck with sensors on it. So that now when I stepped in, I could just take the towel and tear it apart as though it was, uh, my shirt. Um, so it was pretty cool to do that. So many, so many more questions. I can't wait, but this episode of wrestling perspective is brought to you by blue Chew. go to bluechew.com. Use a promo code perspective with that promo code. Eli, you were given everybody one free order, but the one thing you won't do is pay for shipping. I refuse to pay for shipping. As a matter of fact, right now I have a special guest, uh, for blue Chew. Uh, hi, what's your name? Uh, hi, my name is Michelle. Oh, hi. Uh, um, have you ever experienced the, uh, the power of blue chew? <laughs> it's phenomenal. Hey, look at this. We have first hand witness, first hand testimonial. The blue chew is amazing. I will not pay the shipping, but I will send it to you for free. Yes. No! She's, She's still feeling it. <laughs> that, that, that's real time. Everybody real time. Look, Honestly, I'm excited. Uh, 41 years old. I'm about to hit the open market, and there are going to be a lot of unsatisfied women without Blue Chew. This, oh, boy. Yes. Uh, you know, the depression level in Michigan is about to fall by half. That's what I'm – yeah. So There you go. But with Blue Chew, guess what? Everybody leaves happy. 
everybody, even me. Hey now, hey now. So go to Blue Chew. Use the promo code Perspective. It's made with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. Uh, and you don't even need a prescription. You don't need one. No online doctors. They'll take care of it for you. You get it shipped to your house in a discreet package. But me, I want it with a big neon sign. So when it's sitting on my porch, everybody knows where to go after dinner. My house. open for business. That's right. Blue Chew. Line them up. I am going to be like the super poor version of Rick Flair. And dessert is on the house, baby. Well, uh, pudding cups. That's all I'm giving out after I'm done. I mean, you know, give them a little snack pack. Uh, okay. Lunchables. I'll give them a Lunchable. <laughs> that's, that's all I can commit to. But, guys, go there. Keep the show going. We really appreciate it. Eli, where are you going to be? <laughs> Ah, this weekend I'm headed to Atlanta. We've got the uh, NWA Studio Wrestling tapings down there. It's going to be a damn good weekend. Well, actually, it's Monday and Tuesday. I'm going down there a couple days early. But, uh, yeah, that's where I'll be. Other than that, I'll be in L.A. for the next couple days, just getting myself all ready and put together. And, uh, of course, I'll be on Twitter and Instagram at the Eli Drake, And you can buy my lovely, beautiful, delightful T-shirts at Pro Wrestling T-shirts, I'm sorry, it's not Pro Wrestling T-shirts. It never has been, never will be. It's ProWrestlingTees.com slash Eli Drake. Hey, listen, I'll be honest. I cannot wait for the next couple shows after those tapings, the stuff that, listen, if something cool happens, text me so I can make a note to talk about it. I'll do my best. I know the last thing on your mind is I've got to text that one guy who I do the podcast. I don't remember his name, but whatever. Hey, so wait, one, one thing before you go, though. Yeah. Um, I think they said, uh, is SmackDown not going to be called SmackDown now that it's going on Fox? You, you know what? Let me pull that up. That's a good – I'm glad that you brought that up because we were going to talk about it, and then we got uh, sidetracked. So, yeah, uh, over at WrestlingInc.com, there's a news article where they're talking about the, there's a big logo change for SmackDown and branding name. Let's see here. Let's see. Um, <laughs> let me find the article. I got the article here. Does it say what it's going to be called? It's going to be like Friday night, SmackDown something. Let's see here. Oh, so uh, it's still SmackDown. It, yeah, let's see here. Where is it? So according to PW Insider, the new title for the blue, blue, blue brand will be called WWE Friday Night SmackDown. That's the name, WWE Friday Night SmackDown. I don't know why I don't like that. It's bulky. It's long. You don't need WWE, and you don't need Friday Night. You just need SmackDown. I, you know, maybe WWE SmackDown. I, I, if I could make a concession on there, but you know it's Friday Night. Why do you need someone to tell you it's Friday Night? I mean, I guess that's the extra reminder, so at least you, hey, what night's that on? Oh, wait, it's in the name. It's like 1-800-Flowers. But aren't you going to do that in your promos where you this Friday night, see what happens when Braun Strowman, it, it, they're, they're going to hammer it home anyways. Uh, uh, but maybe. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I feel like that makes it sound like, uh, like stereotypical wrestling, Friday Night SmackDown. I don't know. That just... That sounds like that sounds like a name of a show on like Glow or uh, I, I don't know like like uh, like somebody who doesn't really know wrestling in Hollywood adding wrestling into a TV show and they're like oh what would what would be the good name for like a wrestling show and I'd be like uh, how about uh, uh, Tuesday night uh, Tuesday night slammings uh, what about Friday night SmackDown 
I don't. It just sounds. I don't know. SmackDown by itself sounds fine. Friday Night SmackDown sounds campy. I think it's stupid to have wrestling on Friday night, anyways. In all honesty, well, it's, that's a bad night. I mean, then again, I guess maybe they're catering to the audience that isn't doing anything on Friday night. Hey now, <laughs> Eli, making friends like I was at the beginning of the show. There you, there you go. Well, you know what? That'll be another topic for next week. Is what's the best night for wrestling? What would be the best night for each brand on wrestling? Because I think there are certain nights where, if I'm Impact. Ring of Honor or anybody else, I'm not going anywhere near Monday night. That is that is television suicide. So I think there's 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 a conversation to be had on on that. And if I'm any wrestling company, I'm not doing it on Friday nights either. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't I don't feel like Friday's strong, but who knows? We'll delve into that next week, though. There we go. Do you? Wrestling Perspective, follow me on Twitter at Dennis77Farrell, WrestlingPerspectivePodcast.com. Make sure you rate, subscribe, leave a comment. Anywhere you get your podcast, look us up. Eli Drake, Dennis Farrell, we're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.